Join Kristen Ace in conversations about shifting our perspective and being more connected in a conscious way with the earth, each other, and ourselves. Share in the laughter, light, and illumination of good vibrations. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Good Vibrations with Kristen. Uh, I'm so excited to have an amazing guest with me today, Janet Connor, who wrote The Lotus and the Lily. Um, this book is a 30-day workbook, and frankly, it was, um, for me, kind of a life changer. And I've, I've had lots of those. You'll hear me say that a lot, but this was really one of those things that um, I found to be profound and I felt was divinely written. And I'm very excited to have Janet here to talk with me about it. Hi, Janet. How are you today? I'm fabulous. <laughs> and I'm delighted to be on Good Vibrations with Kristen. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. So can you tell everybody a little bit about how the Lotus and the Lily came to be? Well, it was a divine accident just like my first book was, Writing Down Your Soul. I didn't, this wasn't the life I planned. I thought I was a very successful human resource consultant mm -hmm. building selection systems for corporations. That's what I thought I was here to do. And then I went through this horrific divorce, the kind of divorce where you go into hiding. Right. And that world, my little consulting world, disappeared underneath me, and I stumbled on my knees in desperation, picked up a pen and began what be, is now my life's work. I, be, I began a conversation on the page with Dear God, comma, mm -hmm. which very quickly got shortened to DG, and DG and I are absolute best friends, and I get all my guidance, all my grace, all my wisdom on the page. Yes. Well, um, a year after the book came out, uh, the second trauma showed up, <laughs> and I was facing bankruptcy, and this felt so unfair. Right. Excuse me, I'm doing everything all the books say to do. Right. I'm saying my affirmations, I've got my treasure map, I'm visualizing what I want. Excuse me, why am I facing bankruptcy? Right. And so I handled this problem the way I handle all problems. I picked up a pen, and I said, DG, DG. And I did a little bitching and moaning and yelling and screaming and asked the questions you'd ask, what is this about? Is there a blessing? Excuse me, is there a blessing in bankruptcy? <laughs> right. What is it that I'm supposed to see that I'm not seeing? Well, I didn't realize at the time what profound questions. These questions were opening me up. They were basically saying to the universe, teach me, I'm ready. Right. So I kept my hand in motion in deep soul writing, and the next thing I'm told exactly what to do. I was facing uh, the month of December in 2009, and my guidance said that I was to write at the very deepest soul level every single day in December. Well, come on, I'm a deep soul writer. That's not exactly shocking guidance, <laughs> right? right? But, but for the first time in my life, it hasn't happened before or since, I was told exactly what to write about. Wow, that's now, very exciting. Now, this got my exciting. attention. This yeah. was new. Yeah. And I was told to spend uh, the entire first week of December writing about nothing but preparation. And I said, oh, for God's sake, please. I got to attract a new kind of life. Well, I don't have a week for preparation. Mm -hmm. And because I was having this wrestling match on the page, it was it's really comical, um, 
the guidance said basically, oh, yes, you will. But, but it added this little interesting piece of information. I was told to look around, look around every single spiritual tradition on the planet, name one, before the big feast of whatever spiritual tradition it is. There is always a period of preparation. Well, I do love the fact that you argue oh. with those voices because I do that too. And I, you know, if you think it we would be sacrilege, but it really isn't. I mean, we're in a relationship with these. It's a relation. That's right. And and being people of strong creative drive, or even just being people, we have to question what do you mean by that well i want to do this so i loved that i love that you do that so i'm sorry well, please here's continue the thing about questions you're really on to something here and and i this quote unfortunately is not in my first book writing down your soul because i learned it i heard it after that book went to print i was listening to somebody interview a guy that teaches actors how to do shakespeare now, oh. don't ask me why i was listening to this because it's got you know i mean but i was <laughs> And suddenly this person says, Shakespeare is the greatest playwright that ever lived because he understood one thing. Now, a sentence like that's going to get your attention. You go, that's what, right. what, 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 what one thing? Out of his mouth. And uh, keep in mind what I'm all about. I'm all about deep soul writing and the power of questions to activate divine guidance. The next thing out of this Shakespearean actor teacher's mouth is, Answers fill you, but questions open. Yes. Mm-hmm. So here That's we are exciting. in life. We all say we want answers. I want answers. I want answers. I want answers. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because when you get the answer, you're done. Well, then you go, all right, so now I have something else. Yeah. And then something else. And then what something else. What you want is a better question. Yes. That's so that's right. what happens in the wrestling match you know, is that I'm constantly saying to God, okay, what's the deal here, and what is this about? So I did my little week of preparation, and it turned out to be a magical week because it turns out the soul has talents, unbelievable creative talents. We don't even scratch the surface on who we are living our lives as a soul because, of course, you're, who said this? Teilhard de Chardin. He said, and now I'm going to misquote it, but the idea is we are not humans attempting to have spiritual experiences. That's right. We are spiritual beings having human experience. That's right. And I think there has been a great forgetting. Yeah. And now we are in the middle, hopefully toward the latter end of the new remembering. And that's what I, this, this book helped me um, get to the next level of remembering which is what I loved about it. You say something in here, because um, I'll tell you, my girlfriend, who I adore, I was visiting her in North Carolina, and she said, oh, I've got this book. Actually, the book that I'm holding, Janet, is written to her. You've written her a lovely note, but it's actually mine now. So I have her note, but it's mine. And she said, you know, you go ahead and take this. And I was like, oh, no, no, just give me the name of it, and I'll look it up online. Fully prepared not to do anything like that, because... I just didn't feel like it. And she went, no, Kristen, you're going to take it and read it. And I went, oh, okay, so I'll read it on the way home, you know, on the airplane. And this is what got me. You write, 
the great masters, the Buddha and Jesus, told us ages ago how to create an abundant life. And guess what? They did not say get clear about what you want and ask for it. And I thought, doggone it. Because that's what I've been trying to do all this time. I'll get clear on what you want. But I was like, what I want is so huge. I'm not really sure what it's going to look like. Uh I know what I want to experience, do, create, but I don't know how to ask for it. And so I thought, I'm going to keep reading this book and see what, (laughs) see what surprises are are up for me here. Um, And that is the sentence. And that's like within the first couple of pages. That's, that's the second page into welcome. And that's what hooked me in and said, this is something I need to do. Well, it came as a shock to me because as I said, I was doing everything everybody was doing. I was saying my affirmations, right. getting clear about what I want, and right. what I thought I wanted wasn't coming anyway. I was still facing bankruptcy. So right. Excuse me, what is this about? Right. And after I went through, I followed my guidance, and I did the week of preparation, a week of looking back, a week of forgiving. Oh, my mm. God, you want your life to change? Do a week of forgiving. Mm-hmm. And then finally, in the fourth week, I could begin to look ahead to what I wanted. So by the time December ended, 2009, I don't think there's a person on the planet that has, was as well prepared to call in a beautiful, abundant life as I was. But I was still thinking, I hadn't stumbled upon the teaching of the Buddha yet, I was still thinking that this was still about getting clear about what you want. Mm-hmm. Well, the morning of January 1st, 2010, I come charging in this room, I'm ready to have a soul day, a, a day where I, and I like to do this every January 1st, it's a little meet, retreat, give myself a right. day alone to do nothing but pray and do my deep soul writing and do some reading. And um, I used to think of it as getting clear about the year I wanted to call in. And the strangest thing happened. After all that deep soul writing, all of December, all that preparation, I did not pick up my journal. Hmm. Instead... There's this little yellow library book on the floor at my feet, and I had taken it out for, you know, obviously it was a divine appointment. My angel must have been nudging me on the shoulder to take this book out. <laughs> and it was Thich Nhat Hans, You Are Here. Mm. And I'm ashamed to admit this, but until I took that book out of the library, I had never read Thich Nhat Hans. Oh, I'm yeah. probably the only person on the planet who hadn't, but no, I hadn't. And no. that's, I guess, why I got it. Oh, let's see what this is about. And then I was doing all my deep soul writing all through December, so I, I renewed it once, and I knew it couldn't be renewed again. And it was due January 2nd. <laughs> so here I am. It's supposed to be my big soul day. I'm supposed to be calling in 2010. And what do I do? I pick up this little yellow book, right. and I start reading. And I remember consciously thinking, oh, you know, I have all day, plenty of time. I'm just going to read one chapter. Mm. Now, anybody yes. that's read Thich Nhat Hanh is giggling right now. Right, because you can't stop you once can't. you start reading Just like him. that old potato chip ad. Mm-hmm. You know, I dare you to read one chapter of Thich Nhat Hanh, any yep. one of his books. Yep. So I didn't know that then, so I just get suckered in, and I'm, I'm reading, and I'm reading, and I'm reading. It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and I am still reading this book. Right. Because I'm obviously following my guidance. It's just that I don't, I'm not conscious of it as being guidance. That's right. But that's Finally, I stumbled upon this teaching, mm. and everything shifted in that moment. There would be no book, The Lotus and the Lily. I want your listeners to understand that my left brain, my conscious mind, did not come up with this book. 
I did not plan on writing another book on how to create a beautiful, abundant, prosperous life. That was not on my radar screen. But the universe was kind enough to give me the experience of bankruptcy so that I would ask those hard questions and be led to this moment in time. I'm sitting here in my pajamas still, reading Thich Nhat Hanh, and he's explaining that the Buddha's greatest teaching of all time is this is because that is. Right. What? Huh? What? Right. Excuse me. Right. I don't get that. And Thich Nhat Hanh understands that as a Westerner, steeped in duality my entire 65 years, I don't understand right. the Buddha's great teaching. So he tells a little story to illustrate it, and he says that in winter, do you see sunflowers? No, you see snow. Does that mean the sunflowers are dead? No, it just means the conditions aren't right. But when mm -hmm. the day gets longer and the temperature gets warmer, bingo, you get sunflowers. I'm reading the little story and going, yeah, 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 okay, sunflowers. He concludes the story with this sentence. The Buddha said, when conditions are sufficient, there is a manifestation. And that was another sentence that I grabbed onto in the book because I had, that had not ever occurred to me. It had never occurred to me. And I had been doing all of the same things that you had been doing and, and still and not is. finding... For all time, it's been in front of us for right. 2,600 years. But right. you're making me feel better that you didn't know it either. Because, no. You know, oh, and Megan, like, Megan is raising her does hand. Does anybody know this <laughs> No. Which is why I love the book, because it sheds light on particularly for those of us who've done all of this kind of work and are doing all the affirmations and have read all the stuff and blah, 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 which is the reason why I wasn't going to pick up this book because I thought, what else can I do? And thank God my girlfriend was like, no, you're going to do it, Kristen. You're going to read it because it sheds light on the dark corners of things that have been missing in my spiritual practice, in my shifting of perspective. And I loved when you said that the universe gave you the gift of bankruptcy the gift. because that is the shift in perspective that you needed to move forward in a different way. I would never have found this on my own. And if I weren't having the fear of the bankruptcy and mm -hmm. all of that deep, mm -hmm. deep preparation, it's possible, I'll never know, that I could have read that book, but because I wasn't so hungry mm -hmm. to create a beautiful, abundant life, maybe that sentence would have gone over my head. I don't know, because a, a few thousand other people have read You Are Here, but they haven't created the Lotus and the Lily process. It well, was because the you, perfect right. message for me for in you. the perfect moment. That's right. And that's what our guides and our angels mm -hmm. and the universe is so brilliant at doing for us, is just setting things in our path so yeah. that we actually do move forward and shift our perspective and raise our vibratory yeah. rate to create more beauty on Earth. And and one, it, but it's such a paradox that I what appeared to be sort of a black time right. and a low vibration right. turned out to be an invitation. Mm -hmm. And so then the next thing I did, well, I, I mean, I, if, I, I guess it's a good thing I don't have a videotape of this. It was, uh, <laughs> even I knew, a wild moment. I leapt out of my chair. I'm <laughs> screaming at the top of my lungs. I'm racing around this room in circles. And looking back, I actually felt like the room was 
spinning, Mm -hmm. or it had been spinning for all this time. And finally, 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 my soul came to a, a pure stop at True North. I knew in every cell of my body, my toenails knew this was the truth. Yes. When conditions are sufficient, there is a manifestation. So quit worrying about the manifestation, which right. is, of course, the whole mis-emphasis um, of all of those American prosperity books that we're that, Thank up. you. Thank you. Thank you. And that is where, uh, I mean, that for me was a profound moment when I read that and went, oh, I, I have not set one condition down in my life that would would make manifestation would that would be rich for manifestation. Yeah. And that and and as I, I am definitely going to encourage everyone in the world. I went out and bought three of these books for friends and just shipped them out. It was like all right, every, all of you must now read this book <laughs> and do this program. But um, and I have finished the program and had my mandala and and created my conditions, which actually was very difficult for me mm. because I had, I put in conditions that I struggle with mm-hmm. and I felt like I struggle with those because, because I wasn't necessarily willing to really believe mm. that the, if these conditions were like, it just seemed too easy. Like if I have these conditions in my life and I live them, that that doesn't that seems easy but it's actually conditions that i think are for me necessary for manifestation to grow and they are the some of some of the things are things i struggle with others are easy gratitude was one of my conditions and that's easy for me mm-hmm. but anyway that i'm sorry i interrupted you because i got so excited um well are you finding now um, I, every single day, I still have to remind myself I stand in front of my intention mandala. Yes. I've now made my fourth one. Mm-hmm. And my conditions haven't changed. I keep thinking pretty soon they will. But every January 1st, I still come back to I live in intention. I say my prayers out loud. I work in sacred space. I do my holy work. I focus only on what's coming in. And I have a grateful heart. Those are mm-hmm. mine. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their own. That's right. But when I, over these four years, what I've noticed is when I put my attention away from what I think I want mm-hmm. and instead just, okay, my part of the deal, it's a formula, mm-hmm. okay, if I put my attention on creating in me these conditions, if I actually do these things every day, what I have discovered is things come to me I could never have gotten around to even realizing I wanted. I wasn't asking for them. That's right. And that's, they just that's come, right. you know, like absolute gifts from God. And then when, they, when I get them, I go, oh, my God, if I'd had my wits about me, I would have thought to ask for this because it's pretty fabulous. That's but right. That's the magic of the thing is you get more than you ever, ever would have if you were trying to do it out of your conscious mind and focusing on what are the manifestations I want? So at this point, I don't give a single thought to what I want to see happen. I just bring myself back to center every day with, mm-hmm. well, what's Janet going to do today? She's going to live in intention, say her prayers out loud, mm-hmm. work in sacred space, do my holy work. So are you t- stumbling across this, too, that that as you ask for less, focus on less, you get more? It indeed, and that's actually where this podcast came from, because hmm. I would have never. This was not what I was thinking I was going to do, so, but it it stumbled into my life, and what I, one of the promises that I made with my mandala, I have my conditions, but I also made a promise to God was that 
if you open the doors, I will walk through them, even if I do not know what is on the other side. And that is what I've been doing, is I will just keep walking through. If something falls in my lap, if something gets presented to me, I say yes, and I move forward. And where it goes is... is, is not your job. That's not my job. That's, That's right. That's not your job. That's I right. love your uh, prayer there. Um, that it's what I would label... And I hope this doesn't frighten your listeners. I mean it in the highest and most beautiful way. It's a dangerous prayer. Because dangerous prayer is prayer where we surrender, where we turn it over. Right. Jesus saying the most dangerous prayer, thy will be done. Thy will be Saint done. St. Francis of Assisi saying, make me an instrument of your peace. My dangerous prayer, only I didn't know it at the time, okay? Um, but I started doing this when my marriage was falling apart back at the end of the 90s. I would go outside to pray and the moon just happened to be smack over my backyard. And I looked at it one day, and I was mad at God. And I said, <laughs> okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You shine the light, and I will follow. Right. That is a dangerous It prayer, is. Because guess what? The light keeps getting brighter and That's brighter. Right. And my job is you put it as open the doors and walk through. Right. My, of the way I put it was I will follow. But it's a paradox. The more you follow, the more you surrender, mm-hmm. the richer, more beautiful, and safer your life becomes. That's correct. And it is a paradox. But I think when you were moving through the book, the paradox has become less frightening. Yeah. And I, and I found, you know, the whole book is amazing, but I found the forgiveness <clears throat> aspect of the book to be the most profound. And it's funny because everyone I've given this book to has stopped at that chapter. And stopped? I, stopped. And I and say... Then, and then, mm, then you're missing. That's right. the holiest... They, and I've said, yes, don't stop there. Because that's where the key to that's your key. changing your perspective and living the life you've always dreamed of is yeah. in that chapter. In that well, chapter. And, and here's the clue. Maybe this will help them. When I, and I argued, man, you talk about a wrestling match. When I was told the third week would be nothing but forgiveness, I said, please, hello, I'm the queen of forgiveness. I teach weekend Mm. workshops on forgiveness. Read my book. I forgave my ex-husband. Leave me alone. Why do I have to forgive for a whole bloody week? And the guidance was brilliant. Mm. So maybe this will help your listeners and your friends. The guidance didn't say because it's necessary, because it's a spiritual practice, none of those things. The guidance said, Janet, in a very gentle, sweet way, Janet, you want to create something new, right? And I write, yeah, yeah. And listen to this guidance. To create something new, you must first create space for the new. And right now, Janet, you are a little clogged. That was the exact (laughs) word. Old stories, old, old wounds, that's old right. jealousies, that's right. old unforgiveness. I mean, this long list came out, and yes. I finally surrendered. I went, okay, 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 yeah. okay, okay. A week of forgiveness. And it's, it and turned it, out to be the holiest, yes. sweetest, sweetest week of my life. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I teach this um, once a year live, and now thousands of people have the book. Without exception, everyone says the week that made the difference is the week of forgiveness. Absolutely. And they feel like they actually lost weight. 
You, you are lighter. lighter. You are lighter. It's you are lighter. When I was moving through this week, my husband said to me, do you have to do this? And I said, I don't have to do anything, honey, but I believe that this is going to free me in the last, I have like, I feel like the dredges of everything that I've been trying to release and get rid of all this trying. I said, this is going to do it. I know it in my heart. And he said, okay, all right. Because it was a tough week for me. Mm-hmm. And I would say to anybody out there for me, the forgiveness of self was yes. the most profound. And it was also um, enlightening how much, when you said you were the queen of forgiveness, and I was like, oh, I forgive everybody. And I was amazed at the amount of people that I had not forgiven, and I just said that yeah. I had. But more than that was how much I had not forgiven myself and how much I held my own self hostage. That was um, that was and, an and eye so opener. it's logical, really. How can we possibly attract, create, have grow inside of us this beautiful new life when we are crusty and cruddy, and <laughs> you know, there's all this prisoners in there. There isn't room. Right. There isn't room. Right. It is the sweet in the end. In the end. And that week is over. You just feel like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm so grateful. Oh, I And was. then the thing that's so <clears throat> precious about it is you're then done. Right. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, we're constantly bringing up, oh, this childhood wound. You know, okay, you've been in therapy for this for 50 years. When is this going to end? But when you do it this way, it's not a therapeutic. It's a no, spiritual it's release. Spiritual. You're untying knots. That are that are holding you right. When you do it this way, you're done. And and for me, the creative aspect of this that you gave us for for me was exciting because yeah. I'm very very creative. My mind is going a million miles a minute. I've got always got ideas, and so I was able to take all of that creativity and channel it into the the work that you were giving us. And it was very exciting for me because it wasn't like, oh, I want to write out who I'm saying. Blah, 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 blah. It, was, no. it was nothing like that at all. It was profound. It was profound. And I I'm had I knew as I was reading that this was divinely inspired and that you were a divine instrument of God, I believe. But when I got through with that, I said, oh, this woman, she has brought a gift from God into the world. And everyone must know this and be free. And be free. Be free. Be free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so glad you had that experience. The, the magical piece for me, the clue that um, this really was divine inspiration, is the very first day of this week of forgiveness. Mm. I'm sitting outside. It was December, and I live in Florida, and it happened to be a nice day. I'm sitting outside doing my first week of forgiveness, deep soul writing, and instantly... Um, a vulture flew, a turkey vulture mm, flew mm-hmm. directly over my house. Now, I'd lived in this house 12 years, and excuse me, turkey vultures haven't exactly, you know, been right over my head. And then there, her part, her friends came, and there were 13 of them, and they flew in circles over my head. Yep. And I went, vultures, vultures? Okay, so I came in here and looked up vultures in mm-hmm. animal speak. And of Very course, powerful they are the totem. perfect symbol of forgiveness. That's right. I mean, and that's when I went, okay, 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 I'm not getting in your way. 
But they're also new beginnings. They are they are the profound bringer of vibrant new beginnings, which the lotus and the lily is for you. The old and the dead. That's right. I mean, what a perfect, think about it. I don't have to, like, work hard to forgive. I just say to the vultures, here's Here this old dead crud in mm-hmm. me. Here, you take it. That's go right. eat it. You know, let's just get it out of here. That's what vultures do. They, they clean the environment. Right, and they know what to do with this. The things exactly. that we don't know what to do with, they know. Now, your listeners might be going, What? Clouds of vultures, but it was a symbol. <laughs> right. Other people have other blessingers that come. That's right. But interestingly, everybody always says that in that week of forgiveness, some sort of symbol, something happens mm. that they perceive to be guidance, patting them on the back and saying, yes, beloved, see, we're mm-hmm. helping you. Right. We are removing, we're helping you untie those knots and mm-hmm. you are free. That's right. For me, it just happened to be, and, and mind you, since then, I've never, I mean, I, I always, if I see a vulture, I always sort of wave and say hello yes. but, um, and, and honor it for its gifts to the world, but there have not, not been 13 of them flying over me when I ride outside. It was yeah. a divinely orchestrated moment. To Absolutely. Home. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that, that was, I had the crows come, but they are my... They have always been my mystical mates, so I wasn't at all surprised when all of a sudden the the calling started because I was outside uh, doing some work, and I was like, of course they've come because they are my major supporters. So, And for people who aren't sensitive to who their animal messengers are, this is also a lovely week of experience because you can't miss them. Right. There was a woman in Paris that... Um, Suddenly, there was a cloud. She said the sky was actually dark, and it was a cloud of starlings. Yeah. And yeah. she said in the entire time she's lived in that apartment, something like 22 years, she had never seen before or since a cloud of starlings. And she's the one that began to use the term blessingers. Yes, it's and a beautiful were term. were her blessingers. So they weren't vultures or crows. They were starlings. But everybody gets some sort of symbol. And it, then it, for all time, when you see a crow, when you see a vulture, when you see a starling, it's a little reminder. We're That's with right. you, darling. We're That's helping right. you. You're not alone. Well, we actually, Janet, sadly, have come to the end mm-hmm. of our time. Oh, and there's so much more to discuss with the lotus and the lily. And I know that you have a new, please tell us the new book that you are, you are working Writing on. Writing even as we speak. Well, the series that I teach, anybody that wants to um, learn more about me, you can just go to JanetConnor.com, and I teach all the courses in a series called Your Soul Wants Five Things. Your Mm. Soul Wants to Connect with Source, Commit to Values, Serve a Purpose, Express Itself, and Create Life. The Lotus and the Lily is how we create life, not have life buffet us around, but our soul can actively create a beautiful, abundant life according to the teachings of the Buddha and Jesus. And connect with sources, writing down your soul. And so the next one is your soul wants to commit to values. And I call that course Soul Vows because mm-hmm. it's this is sort of the highest level marriage vow. It's the vow you make to yourself, self with a capital S, your soul and your God. Mm. And I am... Writing, as we speak, it should be in bookshelves the fall of 2014. Well, I am very excited. 
very excited for the next book. It, uh, you can count me in as somebody who will be participating. Um, and, and Megan, my producer, um, fabulous Megan. So I would hope I can have you back again, Janet. Um, oh, very thrilled that you could spend time with us and share your brilliance and your beauty with us. And I'm so grateful to you myself. I don't want to cry. Um, for the gift of the lotus and the lily and what it has done for my life. So um, thank you again. Thank you. And thank you for spreading this good vibration. (laughs) It's what we're doing is serving the original teachings of Buddha and Jesus. It isn't Janet who said this. It's Buddha and Jesus. And, you know, if I'm going to pick some masters to follow, I think I'm going to stick with stick <laughs> the with two the, greatest the masters who ever <laughs> walked this earth. That's right. And so you and I are simply doing a little dance on the planet, pointing not at ourselves, but at the masters and saying, here, the mystics and the masters have already told us how to live a beautiful, abundant life. And our job is to notice that knock on the door and walk through. That's right. That's right. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for listening today to Good Vibrations with Kristen and my guest, Janet Connor, and we will uh, have more to come later on. Take care now. Kristen wants to hear from you. Join in on the Good Vibrations Facebook page and share your stories of inspiration. And don't forget to keep checking for the next podcast.